Welcome to the Car Dealer Pro Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Nick, an inspiring customer that I met last year. Nick is an airline pilot and has always had the end goal in mind. Now, it wasn't an easy path and he's going to be sharing his story from working as a Tesco delivery driver to finally becoming an airline pilot. Today's podcast may not be about the motor trade, but I thought it was such an inspiring story that we could all use some of Nick's habits and systems and his outlook on life regarding living below your current means to increase your future means. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Nick, how are we doing? You okay? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. So, um, yeah, we, we met last year, wasn't it, in uh, December? When you bought it that was, insignia yeah. from us. Yeah. Yeah. And um, basically you came into the so the car display, the car pitch, bought an insignia and we got chatting. You told us all about how you were in the motor trade, but you, you, your end goal was always to be an airline pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much from from being five or so, it was uh, it was pretty, pretty nailed on. From what age did you start putting a plan into place? Uh, I would say I started looking into it when I was... Uh, probably around about 14. Um, didn't really have anyone in the industry in my family. Uh, so it was a case of doing self-research, really, sitting at home once, getting on the, the dial-up internet, as you did, and um, <laughs> learning what I could, really, uh, online. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of passion had already been set when I was, like I say, five or so, but I couldn't really do much about it. Didn't know anyone to talk to about it. Yeah. Uh, now, looking back, there's things like Air Cadets, you know, most towns have got air cadets and things like that that get you involved a little bit more. But I had no idea about these things. I was too busy playing football and, and sport and, <laughs> you know, normal stuff that you do when you're a kid. But quietly in the yeah. evenings, I'd, I'd research it myself. So at that point, I started coming up with an idea about what I needed uh, to do. I'd say the actual hard plan started when I was probably 16, 17. I knew I couldn't really do much until I started earning money. So I was going to have to pay for myself. So yeah. I needed to go to work. To get a job that paid decent, I needed to be able to drive. So and I already knew that I was going to have to be kind of 17, 18 before I could start working full time. So I ended up going to college. That was probably when I put the, the hard plan together about how I was going to achieve this. And then I kind of set, set a broad spectrum of kind of five to seven years. But the research online, that was difficult. Nothing was really up to date. You'll know uh, about what happened with 9-11 a lot of the facts and figures te- online in forums and things like that tended to come from that kind of era. Uh, there was right. nothing really live online as regards to recent yeah. advice. So it was uh, it was a bit of a minefield, but I kind of got there. And you, you know when, obviously, you're, you know, you're 13, 14, you're telling everybody you want to be an, an airline pilot. Did you have any, like, negative influence on influences on you like people trying yeah. to put you off people saying yeah, oh yeah. why do you want to be an airline pilot you, you you've got you know, you, you've got to have money to do that exactly a family member actually said to me guys like you don't be, do jobs like that you know it's it's one of them and and broadly speaking they're probably right i wouldn't say i was i would say i was lazy at school not necessarily dumb uh, but lazy for sure and the money was probably the biggest obstacle training ranges top price you're looking at 130 grand yeah for the training so you've got it begs the question how do you raise that kind of capital you know but yeah i did have that uh not too much most people were indifferent about it they were just like all right okay 
Um, but yeah, I had one or two people that were like, oh, well, how the hell are you going to do that? You're a nutter. Did that, did that put fire in your belly? Did that make you think, right, I'll, I'll show you. Did it change your mindset? Did, or did it, did it put you off? Neither so really. I was, so, I was so kind of individually driven on it that I didn't care about the opinion of someone else. So whether that was a positive or a negative from someone else, it, it didn't really sway it. I I met people throughout my my training journey that said, "Oh, you know, it's it's amazing. You'll do it." And I wouldn't say that really pushed me on either. I, I'd kind of already made up my own mind, and I was I was sat there going, "Well, that's what I'm doing, so it don't really matter." So you've had you've had that strong mindset from such such a young age. You knew yeah. that you were going to do it, and even having yeah. people saying to you, "It's going to cost hundred and thirty thousand pounds to do this," that still didn't put you off. So. How did you get round that then? How did you how did you plan to pay for something that you thought was going to cost you one hundred and thirty thousand pounds? Well, at first I looked into it to see whether that was a practical figure, and so one of the leading aviation colleges in the UK is called Oxford Aviation, um, obviously down Oxford. So when I was seventeen, I drove down there and went to a kind of an open day and had a look round, and sure enough, their bills were coming in. Uh, you were around about eighty-five to 90000 for the actual bulk of the course. But then, for example, if I wanted to join, for example, a low-cost Irish carrier, um, you'd have had to pay another £25,000 on top of that. So all of a sudden, you could sit, and that didn't include living costs for the, for the 18 months that the course took, travelling costs to uh, the go over to Arizona for a few months or New Zealand and things like that. So all of a sudden, this £130,000 did seem like it was going to cost £130,000. But through research, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And actually, if you broke down, so there's two different routes. That one with Oxford was called Integrated. And it's a bit like boarding school. So you go there, you live and breathe it for 18 months. It's a bit like when you pass, when you do your driving lessons, you can do those uh, intensive courses. You pay a little bit extra, but you get through stuff a bit quicker. And that's what basically this 120, 130,000 pound course was. Yeah. Well, I'd, I needed the time to, to save the money anyway. Um, so I started looking at the other routes. So they call it a modular route. And you basically cherry pick which organisation you, you do as it is in modules. So you cherry pick which organisations you go to and therefore the cost, because it's not integrated, is a little bit cheaper. Um, yeah. So all of a sudden I'd, I'd, I'd got the forecast cost down to between fifty and £70,000, which is a good chunk of a saving. But like yeah. I say, there was no live figures. And what the schools were guilty of is you'd go to them and say, how much is this course going to cost? And they'd say, all right, it's £5,500. Uh, but they wouldn't. They would forget to mention exam fees, and they'd forget to mention yeah. the admin fee for this, and you know, to or to actually get your license paperwork all certified. That's another hundred and eighty pound. You yeah. know, there was a lot yeah. of hidden costs. So I was very careful early on um, to to start speaking to places and say, look, what's the deal? I know, I know that's your headline price, but I need facts so I can yeah. plan this and budget it. Uh, yeah. And I just started plugging away, mate. Really, it was that was. I didn't see it as I needed fifty or sixty thousand. I saw it as I need six grand for that course. So how can I get that? When can I fit it in? How will I do it? Um, at the time when I first started flying, my first flying lesson, I was on eight hundred and seven pound a month working for a building society, uh, <laughs> and two hundred and fifty pound of that each month used to go on two flying hours. So it was little and often, and you just plugged away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was, yeah. Is basically how it started. I didn't see it as a huge, huge mountain. I just saw it as one step at a time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit like compound interest, just chipping Massively. away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, how did you make it? Because I think a big mistake people make when they have goals, they make the goals too, too big in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they get disheartened, don't they? And then they just say, oh, bugger this. I'm not going to do yeah. it. So di- how did you make them achievable in the so beginning? Did you make them achievable in the beginning? Or did you just have this big goal? Or did you just break it down in a little bit? Of course, you need the end goal because you need to know kind of how you're going to measure yourself as regards to where you're going but to actually set that as the, the target goal it's too vague you need more specific so you're going to have to apply dates to it you're going to have to apply time frames and and you're going to have to apply work ethics to it as well so for example the the theory part of my study and like I said I, w- I wasn't the most academic person at, at school so I was already aware that that was going to take up a huge chunk of time because I was going to have to put a lot of effort in there so I kind of sacrificed and compartmentalized it and said right that that little chunk i'm gonna have to work really hard on that and if you make that challenge too big then you're right you're just going to drop out and quit aren't you i was i was aided in the fact that the route being modular it's already chunked up for you so it's just an inherent design of how the training course works but for anyone else that's that's looking to achieve a goal then yeah you've got to chunk things up worst case what you're going to do is you might find progress slow, but as you are progressing, you will see steps and kind of going, well, past that one, and I've passed that one. Yeah. So you're getting yeah. instantly rewarded. Although the rewards are smaller, you're getting instantly yeah. rewarded straight away. You need to see yeah. progress, otherwise you're not going to bother, are you? Definitely. And then you, you know, your mindset's changing then, isn't it? You're thinking, oh, do you know what? I can do with this. Exactly. Instead of thinking I've still got to climb that, that mountain, it is one step at a time every, yeah, every day. Yeah. So and then, and you went to work as cabin crew then. Yeah. So I mean, just like I say, you, you get in what you get out what you put in, don't you? Um, yeah. So I didn't know anyone in aviation. I'd, I'd never met a pilot, cabin crew, engineer, knew nothing. Um, so like I say, when I was at college, I came up with the idea that what I needed to do was be in the environment at least. So I lived yeah. ten minutes away from East Midlands Airport, and I thought, well, don't matter what the job is, I'll get a job at the airport. So. After I passed my test, I started driving around the airport, you know, all the industrial units. You just drive around with, I'm surprised I never got arrested, actually. You just drive around with a, <laughs> a, a pen and notepad, writing down the names of companies, yeah. come back, Google yeah. the company, go on their career section, see what they did, see if they had any jobs for me, whether it was moving cargo and freight, working in security. I didn't care. I just needed to be at the airport so I could meet people and be in the environment. Yeah. It's um, so true that. Honestly. It's just surround yourself by the people that you need to be around. So, it's, like I say, it's it's what you what you put in, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's like um, that saying, isn't it? Your, um, your, your network is your net worth, and the the, the five people you spend yeah. time with, that's what you'll end up doing. So, if you're like knocking about with five people that are smoking cigarettes, you'll end up smoking. But if you're knocking about yeah yeah five people that are in aviation, you've got a much better chance of becoming an airline pilot, haven't you? Yeah, and I, I never, I never picked that up from you know school or or parents or or anything like that. Not not hard anyway. It was just a natural kind of desire that I thought, well, I don't know anything about the industry, so I'm going to have to get there. 
So why not start? And, you know, the, the, obviously the stigmas that come with cabin crew and things like that. And I'll be honest, Dave, I didn't know I'd applied for the job. It's, uh, I'd applied for that many jobs. And I remember getting the phone call for it. And the way that you get recruited for cabin crews, you get a, an assessment day uh, where you rock up with 20 or 30 other people and they kind of sift through who they like and who they don't like. So it's not a one-to-one interview as such. And uh, I got the call for the invitation to the assessment day and I went, well, you know, what, what's the job? Obviously, I'd applied for the job. <laughs> well, it's, it's for the cabin crew that you've applied for. I was like, oh, right, okay, brilliant. <laughs> you know, but oh, I mean, it's, it's hardly a bad thing. And maybe I was fortunate in the aspect that, you know, I'm, I'm a sizable chap. I'm, I'm probably not your typical cabin crew, so it doesn't take much yeah. to stand out. But I got, I got the job, so that's, that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, and in hindsight, looking back, that was probably the best job that I could have had because yeah. some of the colleagues yeah. that I met at the time, it was unbelievable. And the pay was yeah. a lot better than the building society that I was at. So Yeah. <laughs> and you know when you got so when you got the cabin crew job, any yeah. chance you could get speaking to like airline pilots, like get getting in the rear, like, oh, how would you do this? What you know, yeah. did you use that to your advantage? Yeah, so I've looked back at some of the emails that I've sent out back when I was 17, 18, well, 18 when I started flying. And, you know, you'd cringe at them looking back now, but it was it was the right thing to do. I emailed yeah. anyone and everyone. I spoke to anyone and everyone. I gave up days off to go in. I, you know, I went to the management of, it was BMI Baby um, that I joined. And I went to the management there and said, yeah. look, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, can, I, can I do things that I think might help me? And they were brilliant, you know, because I'd gone to them and asked for help and support. How old were you? Was this get, get being cabin crew when you were like 18, Yeah, it was 19? when I'd started. So I was 18. Right. Um, but I was emailing the chief pilot saying, hi, my name's Nick. I'm cabin crew. I've just joined. But, I, you know, I want to be a pilot. Can I go in the simulator on my days off? Can I come in on my days off? Can I, yeah. can I speak to this yeah. person? Can I speak to that person? Yeah. Yeah. And because I'd shown the initiative, I was getting answers. I was getting things that other people wouldn't get. Yeah. Just because I, I cared. Uh, but it, it sits back to that work ethic. You, you need a bit of work ethic to make these things happen. They're not just going to happen around you. And you've got to be not shy. Take that turn. Shy babies don't get any sweets. You know what you yeah. want to do. You've, and as, as, as embarrassing as looking back at them emails that you sent, you know, they were the best things you could have done, weren't they, really? Yeah. Because it's, it's distinguished me. And I, my direct manager now used to be uh, the chief pilot for BMI Baby. And he's my direct direct manager now at my at the new company. And what's that? It's yeah. you know, it's ten years ten years later. Um, yeah. He never he never knew me at the previous company. Yeah. You know, he, he may have had the odd email from me, but you know, the, it, these these people do matter. They 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 make a difference. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You've you've got to go at the top man, haven't you? Sometimes as well. You've got you've got I, an I, eye. Yeah, you have. But then there's there's treating people correctly. Uh, and speaking with people so the way that I got into my current airline um, basically the, one of the guys that was, was just a first officer uh, at BMI Baby when I was there uh, and I, we got on you know we'd, we'd have a few beers in the hotels at night and you know you'd, you'd share some some stories and that was it yeah. and so that was 2010 to 2012 BMI short um, but you know I'd spoke to him and, and stayed in touch in 2015, I got a, a text or a phone call off him saying, mate, I'm now a captain. I'm involved with recruitment at the new airline and um, get your training done as quickly as possible. I'll see what I can do. 
you know so you know this this guy when i first met him wasn't at the top he was you know just just a normal guy going to work doing his thing but you don't know where people are going to go so i never i never once said no to an opportunity any opportunity was an opportunity yeah Uh, and it it did it made a difference so you've just got to put that effort in yeah when you're young you've got to take all them opportunities haven't you yeah massively you've just got to read the rewards later yeah, exactly. Yeah. So other people would look at me and go, what do you mean you're going down to Heathrow on your days off so you can sit yeah, in a little box? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I'm like, well, it will make the difference. So yeah, I'm going to have definitely. to. Definitely. Definitely. Because back when I was, well, I still DJ now, but back in the day, similar to you being an airline pilot, really, I knew when I was like 10, 11, 12, that I wanted to be a DJ in a nightclub. I just knew yeah. I wanted to do it. And I knew that I wanted to be a Magaluf in this big club called BCM. And I think I'd seen it on the telly or something. I'd done the same sort of thing as you, where I had, I had the end goal in mind. Basically, long story short, when I eventually, eventually did get there, well, get into BCM, I'd already been DJing and lots of other bars and little clubs and getting good money. And then when I went to BCM for the first year, they said, oh, look, you're going to have to do it for like virtually nothing. And I worked for just covering my costs. Don't you think they've having being so passionate about something and you feel really fortunate because there's a lot of people that kind of just wander wander through life and, and just kind of get by. But if you're really passionate about it, it, it takes some of the guesswork out of it. You know what you're doing, don't you think? Definitely. Oh, without a doubt, because you know what you're aiming for. So you've got yeah. a purpose. And I think that's yeah. the main thing. If you've got a purpose, everything when you're hitting all these ups and downs you can get through the downs a lot quicker. Sort of like yeah. get through all the, the difficult times because you know exactly where you want to be. And, and, that's and because you care doing. about it, you'll tolerate these ups and downs. You know, you, you live and breathe them with everyone else, but you, you, you don't see them as, as issues really. They're, they're not brick walls, they're just gates. You just need to open the gate, you know? That's brilliant, that. Yeah, that's a really good way. To, because a lot of people... As well, like you're saying there, you, you went to do cabin crew. A lot of people, their ego would be like, well, I'm not doing cabin crew. I want to be an airline pilot. Yeah. And it was the same with me. You know, I want to be a DJ, but they had me doing the lights and cleaning the lights. And I hated yeah, yeah. doing it. You know, I, I absolutely hated doing it. But I knew that in order to get to where I wanted to be, I had to do all this. And it's, it's, just, it's, it's just the fact of life, you know. You, you've, got to, you've got to put that graft in at some point. And like you say, it's surrounding people by who are going to be able to help you they might not help you straight away but they're in a position too some might not some you might be wasting your time with the odd one but you can't take that risk because it might be an opportunity i think as well what, what you've touched on there is like don't be scared to ask for help a lot of people they just we all think we can do it all on our own sometimes you've just got to ask for help yeah especially as well when you're asking people who've already made it they've already had a good career I find that them sort of people want to help you out. They want you to do well. Yeah, definitely. If you've got the right attitude, they'll, they'll bend over backwards for you because they will want you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they can see the path that you're taking is a similar journey to what they've done when they were younger. Yeah. So I'd say yeah. these are the sort of people you need to... I think as well, if you're on the right path, and that, like if you know where you want to go, these people come into your life, don't they? And opportunities, yeah. Yeah, opportunities come to you on a plane and you've got to take them opportunities. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of people as well are a bit scared to take them opportunities. They want to go yeah, back I'd into the comfort zone. And you've got, you've got to come out of that comfort zone, haven't you? I'd agree with that massively.
you talking about this just shows what a strong mindset that you've you've got to have to get to where you want to be. And you never yeah, want... Yeah, and it's not just flying, is it? It's not just flying. You know, you oh. could be doing anything, but it's these these things are going to keep coming up to you and you, there'll be the opportunities that you can fail um, yeah. or, or certainly take a step back. And you just got to keep plugging away. You've got to ask yourself that question. Do you really want to do it? And and did you have any, like, mentors that helped you along the way that you looked up to whilst you were doing your training? Yeah, a couple. The mentors, I, I kind of because I insisted on kind of being surrounded by people who, who might help me, it was really important to have various people. So there was, there was loads of people that helped. Like I say, I've mentioned the guy that I met back in 2010 and who actually helped me get the job where I am. You know, that's, that's someone who's always going to help you as regards to day to day. You know, I'm still in touch with my first line instructor that I had back in 2009. So I've known him for 11 years and, you know, it is good to bounce ideas off and, and things like that but other than that it was I, I didn't have one particular person that I would go to I went I, I kept in touch with a lot of people social media is a huge help um, yeah. as regards to being able to do that but I don't think people necessarily need to have one mentor these days you're better off because everyone's got their own strengths haven't they well, you know, yeah, yeah, and, you've been, been influenced by a variety of people yeah that's it and it doesn't have to be a mentor like in your life, it can be just from reading a book or, or someone you even follow yeah. on social media, can't it? It can be anybody so like YouTube that. YouTube was a huge effect for me um, as yeah. regards to, to meeting people. So there was clips that I'd occasionally watch after a long day studying that just give you that little little uplifting kind of feeling at the end of the day. So I got into I watched a clip by a, a chap called Inky Johnson. I don't know if you've ever... Oh, right, no, I haven't heard of him. No. So he's an American footballer, basically. Uh, so he was he was back in college. Uh, he was a, a decent player, but he came from humble beginnings. Uh, you know, lived with I think they were, in one of the clips. He said there were fourteen of them inside a small house, and you know, he didn't really have very much. Came from a bad neighbourhood, gang culture, and everything else. You know, he he said to his brother one day that he, he wanted to be a pro footballer. So they they worked hard and did their own training sessions and one thing he said at, at a young age for him he, he chose to just engage in a consistent action yeah. and it's a real simple thought but doing the small thing but every day it'll eventually add up you know so I took that kind of philosophy into my my theory studying as regards yeah. to the amount of work that I had to do I thought well that's you know that's ridiculous yeah but plugging away for two three hours at a time yeah it gradually build up so just engaging in that consistent action having that discipline uh, and that that formed probably the best habit that i created uh, yeah. just a habit of of learning that that kind of came from that guy and i mean you know it's quite a harrowing story he got he went into a tackle when he was at college he was forecast to be a top 30 draft pick for the nfl uh, they had like eight games left of the season he went into a tackle uh, and got injured and basically what he'd done is he'd, he'd ruptured an artery uh, he was going to bleed to death. He had emergency surgery and he severed the nerves in his right arm. Right. And that was his football career done. Um, yeah. But he took a positive attitude on life and he's, he's turned into what we call a, a motivational speaker and, you know, yeah. shared his story. Yeah. And that kind of had an effect on me. So like you say, not necessarily what normal people would call a mentor, but certainly someone that had an effect. And I think YouTube and social media is great for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love YouTube. I've got... Um... I've got on my YouTube. I've got this motivational madness. That's a good one. 
And that, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael. Right. Oh, he's brilliant. And what he does is he takes clips of all inspirational people and, and, and does like a montage of all these people. Yeah, yeah. And he'll do a different one every other day. So he'll do like ones of Oprah Winfrey, and do one of uh, Warren Buffett. And all they yeah, say, yeah. just take it and then I mean, just look at it. And, and like what you're saying there about just being consistent and small wins every day makes such a big difference. And yeah. I find as well that if I try and do everything in the morning, get everything done in the morning, and then the day sort of looks after itself. Yeah, uh, so I found this. So there was a part when I got maybe redundant from BMI Baby when the airlines got, and I, uh, I basically got myself set up to work for Monarch the following year, but on a subcontract. So I had four months off in the winter, basically. And uh, so I started hitting the study, and I thought it was a good idea to, to hit the books and, and study. And I, I found exactly that, Dave, that uh, as I was learning how to learn, what I used to do, I used to set a 5 a.m. alarm uh, and go yeah. study, and I'd study for three hours. Yeah, and then it was breakfast time. Then I'd be able to study for another few hours, but I'd band out seven hours worth of studying, and it wasn't even lunchtime. And then I'd go and play golf in the afternoon. <laughs> you, you've <laughs> you know. won the day. You've won the day. I, I, myself, I get up at five o'clock. Well, in this coronavirus, it, it's quarter to six now, so I've got. A bit <laughs> but even yeah, yeah. still, quarter quarter to six is still really early. I read this book. It's called The Five AM Club, and it's all about and also the habits of successful people they all seem to get up at like five six o'clock in the morning exactly yeah. because of what you've just said you can get yeah. everything done in the morning and 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 by nine o'clock you feel like you've achieved don't you yeah, you yeah. Feel like you, you, yeah. you've hit your goals and uh, once you've created that habit it's really hard to get out of I mean, it's not it's not for everyone. Uh, so yeah. As part yeah. of our studying, you know, we we do human physiology as as one of the courses, and unfortunately, not everyone is a morning person. So it's perfectly yeah. normal to actually yeah. feel that you get your kick in the in the day. You know, some people are yeah. larks, some people are night owls. Yeah. It, it does seem to be that most people do do the better stuff first thing in the morning, but other, you know, other people will will stay up till two a.m. in the morning and, and bash out the best work then. But yeah. finding whatever time you get your most efficient workout. It, whether you're training for a marathon or whether you're trying to achieve a goal, it's, it, that's the key thing to then engage in that time frame. Going back to habits, like everyone's in a bad habit of sitting and watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're getting that bad habit of just watching TV all the time, I think that's really bad. So what I try to do is I try to just do like an hour and a half of TV on a night. It's just not good, is it? You know, if you get up on the thing the, is, the, the following morning, day you get like a hangover from it because the following day you sit back and you think, I wasted two hours yesterday and I could have done something more productive in there. So uh, I'm trying to remember who it was now. Uh, but have you heard about this, this, uh, the, the ideology of um, calculators? So if I said to you, Dave, you know, broadly speaking, what age do you think you, you, you'll be here till? You know, so for for me, I've got you kind of knock an age of eighty on it. If I make eighty, I'd be pretty sure. Yeah, same yeah. <laughs> I'd be buzzing. Um, but you know, so so then what you do is you take you get eighty and you minus off your age. So let's say I'm thirty. I've now got fifty years. And you times that by three hundred and sixty-five to get your your days, and then times that by twenty-four. And you start seeing how many hours you've got left to live. So let's say it's seventy thousand hours. All of a sudden, if you waste two hours watching Netflix and you do that five times in the week, you've just lost 10 hours. You start yeah. seeing it as the clock running the other way. And it's, it's an odd concept, and I've only recently been introduced to that. That's brilliant. Uh, and I, I don't 
I, I wouldn't say I use it hard, um, but having that mindset, there's a there's a film. I can't remember the name of the film. You know where they've got how much time they've got left on their arms. Yeah. Um, but you know that that logic tends to stop you wasting time because when you take that opinion of things, so I like to have downtime. Obviously, you know you'll have found this. You, you need days off every now and then to to oh, recharge. Yeah. And I don't buy into the the idea that you have to work hard every day it, to make stuff work. I I broke down. So like I say, after every phase of my training, I was on to the next phase. But one thing I did make sure I did was I rewarded myself, whether it was going out for dinner, yeah, going yeah, out for a, a yeah, piss up with yeah. mates or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I made sure I took that kind of small congratulations game. Because yeah. I, I, I did at the age of 18, 19, I, I stopped going out because I'd worked out that blowing 70 quid four times a month was yep. just chucking away money, literally throwing away money. I, I love that. But you still needed of, it. Of, yeah, I love that theory of working out. Because in your head, you think, oh, it's only 70 quid. But then if you work out at a yearly, a yearly average, it can work out thousands, can't it? So I always try yeah. to work everything out as a yearly average. And, yeah, um, so I mean, I, I did it. So, I mean, I, I had Peugeot 106 for my, my first car. Absolute wagon. It was a belter. <laughs> and I got pretty lucky with it. So my dad worked for Vauxhall at the time. And it was a trade-in. Basically, they'd, they'd offered uh, this elderly chap 500 quid yeah. uh, for this 106. It was an R-Edge. And when I got it, it had 27,000 miles on it. And I didn't start driving until, what, 2008, I think. So I think it was a 97 plate. So it was 11 years old with 27,000 miles on it. Yeah. So it was, it, was in, it was in good nick. It was in good nick for what it was. And yeah. I managed to, basically they agreed to let me have it for 500 quid, what they paid for it at cost. So I got it. And I kept that car for seven years. Now, if I said to you, how many, how many teenagers, you might, you might meet them through, through what you do. You know, age 19, they go out and get a new car on a PCP or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's 180 quid a month, but 180 quid a month is over two grand a year. So I was on a kind of five-year five year plan. So there's 10 grand of my 50 grand that I'm just chucking around a car. And you know as well as I do, it's nice to have a nice car, but we all do 30 mile an hour at the same speed. Yeah, exactly. So I saw that as a way to, to, to squash those costs. You know, those, yeah. those same 19-year-olds are going to, like you say, Magalore for the mates yeah. each year. Yeah. That's yeah. minimum, yeah. you know, best case, 500 quid holiday yeah but if you do that over the five years you know there's yeah. another couple of grand gone going out 250 quid a month which i think is 70 quid a night when you're 19 70 quid every saturday and four saturdays a month that that is 280 quid a month so that's yeah. that's three grand a year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you've got you've a multi the nail on the head. yeah definitely because it's like you say compound interest it all adds up and yeah. i think you've hit the nail on the head as well because you knew what you wanted to do, you sacrifice a lot of things. When you don't know what you want to do, you look to things like cars to give you that, 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 what's the word, that, filling that void in your life. You don't know what you yeah. do, so you think, oh, I'll get a new car because that'll make yeah. me happy. Yeah. But after six months of having that new car, you just look at it and you're like, oh, it's a bloody car, you know? And then you think, oh, yeah. if I have all these nice new clothes, these are going to make me happy, but they're not. The best yeah. thing in life is to have a purpose, and that's what you've got with you. Yeah, and everyone's an got something they're good at. Everyone's got something Definitely. they're good at. They might not necessarily yeah. want to turn it into a business or, or anything like that, but they've always got something they're good at. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's if they want to turn it into a business. But yeah, and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be a business, does it? Just something that no. you want to do. I think when you find that thing that you want to do, 
all these things like cars and material objects they're just not as important as what you first, well what you thought they were when you didn't know what you wanted to do and if and that's why I had, people used to sit at me and think i was from a privileged background i mean my mum has always worked part-time in a warehouse for marks and spencers uh you know she does two or three days a week and you know you know my dad's background so i, I wasn't necessarily from a privileged background or anything like that but I could do simple maths and I could work out that if my target was to save seven grand a year for flying. And I reckoned that I could do that on a salary between 12 and 15 grand a year. I reckoned I could easily save seven grand a year. And when you break it down, that's not that much, really. It's not that much money to save each month. It's perfectly doable. If I could do that for five years, that's 35 grand. Now I reckoned I could easily enough get a loan for 15 grand at some point if I didn't have a car because that's what most people get loans for, things like that. Yep. So all of a sudden, I'm up to 50 grand in five, within yeah. five years, and I've not even flinched. I've not had to do anything special for it, really. Yeah. Um, and for the final, it cost me, my training cost me just over 53. For the final three grand, uh, my mum and dad lent me it. Uh, and amazing. that was how I got it. But as soon as you chunk it down, you start realizing where you're wasting your money elsewhere, if money is your obstacle. If time's your obstacle, then, you know, I've, I've met people that create more time. You, you sleep for less. Yeah. You stop watching TV. You, yeah. You, know, you go to bed you, earlier, don't you? Yeah. If you need eight hours sleep, then fine. You'll have to find ways to get that eight hours sleep in. It might be a six-hour nighttime sleep and then a two-hour nap in the afternoon. But yeah. at the end of the day, you'll find a method to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. got their own limits, whether it's finances, yeah. time, whatever it is. There's always a way if you want it to be. Definitely. Because we've all got the same 24 hours in the day. And yeah. a really good book. I, try, I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've read just notes on it. It's about Arnold Schwartz. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger biography. And that's what he says. He say, I think he said, there's something on YouTube actually, well worth watching. And it's about, he just does this inspirational speech about how to get where you want to be in life and that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said, oh, there's too many, everyone, you know, there's not enough hours in the day. And he said, well, just sleep faster. Exactly like what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Work out your day. Work out, just plan it a little bit yeah. here and there. And yeah. that, what you've just said there is brilliant about how you save that money up. Having that mindset is amazing because most young people, the thought of saving up seven grand for someone who's 17, 18, Someone who's like 27, 28, it's unthinkable, isn't it? Yeah. Some people. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you just break it down in a little bit, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. And the biggest issue that I saw from the people that I met, the biggest issue that I saw is people had started, it sounds a bit daft, but they'd started living their life. So they'd started having that nice car. You know, they'd, they'd got to age 19, 20, and they couldn't afford a mortgage, but they wanted to be living by themselves rather than living at the parents' house. So, you know, yeah, they started yeah. renting. And all of a sudden, it becomes very difficult then to then take a step back and go, well, actually, I'm not that bothered about a nice car. I'd rather, I'd rather have a, a cheap running around, and it'll, it'll save me money. So yeah. I made a point of not having that stuff in the first place. The amount of times I'd get asked to go, go on a night out and I go, I can't afford it. And they go, well, come for a couple of beers. And I think, well, we all know what a couple of beers leads to. <laughs> yeah. As sad as it was, I'm not going for the couple of beers because I know what a couple of beers leads to. And it yeah. was simple as that. And I'd go without, but it's, it is doable. For most people, they'll go, well, you're never going to get 50 grand together. You know, how, how do you get 50 grand together? And when you tell them how I did it, 
You go, oh, flipping it, that's dead easy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think people, if anyone's listening to this, it's going to inspire people. Like, you know, if they want to save up a deposit for a house, you know, this is the biggest thing in the papers and the media. Oh, people can't get on the housing ladder. And yeah, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult. But like you say, if you just, if you just think about it rationally, we can all save up X amount of money if we just sacrifice, yeah. sacrifice things sacrifice yeah. cars on fire and sacrifice credit cards sacrifice the beauty of this coronavirus is you know I've I've realised now that I can stay in every day and cook food no problems yeah yeah, we're, yeah. You know, we're, isn't it amazing how much money Greg's used to get off us yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go to Starbucks every day they go to Greg's they go to Nando's you know and I'm, I'm guilty of one of them people you get in that really bad habit every Friday. Oh, should we go for a Greg? Uh, Greg, should we go for a Nando's? And then like, like yeah, Tuesdays, yeah. Tuesdays pizza night and so and so this night. And then before you know it, you're spending a fortune just on food. Yeah. And then you've got to go away on holiday, and you've got to do all these things. But you know what? If everyone just just sacrificed their life for three years or four years. Maybe two years. Maybe that's more doable. And it depends. It depends on the size of the challenge, doesn't it? You know, there's people yeah. that will sacrifice for ten years, and if that's what they need to do to achieve, and they really want to achieve what they're yeah. doing, then that is what yeah. you'll do. But yeah. it's yeah. it's yeah. just it is really simple. It is, and and that's the key to like a lot of things. Just keep it simple. Just anything yeah. in life. Just keep it. Once you start overcomplicating things. Then, like like I said before, you'll 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 lose faith and you'll you'll just give up. You know? yeah. So when, yeah, yeah. when you so when you were doing all this, did you have um what was your uh, for, for saving money and that? Did you used to get like did you used to use like websites like Money Saving Expert and all that type of stuff? No. So again, a, a bit like writing down the goals. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit strange with this. So I'll be honest, mate. What I did was the money my salary would get paid into my bank account. And uh, it just stayed there. Uh, I was so disciplined and cutthroat with my spending about where money needed to go and how I'd spend it that I could just save each month um, in, into my bank account. Uh, so I didn't even have a special regular saver or an ISA or anything like that. It just sat in my current account, trundling up. Um, I didn't. Um, what, would, would, would you have another job to, to keep you going then? To keep you? Uh, I did at different keep... points. So depending on what I depending on what job I, I mean there's not many jobs I've not done unfortunately if I've not done them I've definitely interviewed for them <laughs> but the, the the hardest part for me was uh, when I was doing my final commercial bit of training uh, I joined Tesco uh, in the evening as a delivery driver uh, just because it fit in with the, the hours that I was doing and it meant that uh, when I took out that 15 grand loan it meant that I could afford the monthly repayment um when I finished the commercial training, it left a void Monday to Friday. Uh, so I, now that I was pretty much qualified, I thought it's time to get back to the airport. And I went back to the airport and I got a job in the VIP lounge uh, at East Mid. So naturally the timings that came with that meant that I could keep my Tesco job. So I was, it was quite normal for me to start work at 3.45 in the morning at the airport, work till quarter past two was kind of a standard standard overtime shift if you want and I was quite happy to do any overtime because I needed the cash uh, so I'd work there till quarter past two get home about quarter to three three o'clock and then at five o'clock I'd have to go back to Tesco uh, and work there till eleven o'clock ish 
varied, yeah. 10 or 11 wow. o'clock. Uh, and I did that for just about 18 months. Uh, well, just about, I was at Tesco for 18 months. I did, I did the two jobs for just about 13 months. Uh, and that was hard. I was working on kind of three hours sleep a night. I'd try and get one or two hours yeah. sleep in the afternoon before I went to Tesco. Uh, the hardest bit was in the middle of winter because at the time, it was just grim getting up at 3.45 in the morning. It didn't get light till eight o'clock and got dark again at four. Your whole life became nocturnal. So uh, I did, I averaged about 65 hours a a week. Uh, I used to have one, one full day off a month. It was, and all of that for the joys of about 1600 quid a month. Cause obviously second job gets 50% tax on it. So it was, it was pretty grim. But it, it kind of, it seemed logical at the time because I felt it was really important to be at the airport. Um, yeah, yeah. And the Tesco job just fitted in. And it meant that my, lo- so Tesco was my loan repayment. Uh, and then any yeah. money that I got off the airport was kind of for me to live on really because I didn't have to save as much anymore. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it yeah. just, it just kind of fit, but it yeah. kind of fell into it. And I mean, looking back now, I don't know how I did it because it, it was hard, hard. God, you must, you, you must look back at that and feel really proud that you've done that you must think that, that, yeah well that we've just moved house we've just moved house and i said to my missus the other day I'd, I'd pulled out some old paperwork and it was my old rosters from the airport lounge and you're looking back at some of the hours that you used to bang out you think how the hell did i do that i did 14 yeah. hours on a christmas eve shift one day and you're like how'd you, how'd you do that <laughs> <laughs> you know uh but it was, again, it was the work ethic and I weren't doing anything oh, else. God. I was waiting for an opportunity to go flying. But yeah, it yeah. does. I look back and it was something that you, you can't question the work ethic. And I remember the first year we went to uh, Mexico with, with my missus. Uh, so it's three years ago and we're chatting and I'm, I'm sharing a few tequilas at the pool bar. <laughs> and one of the guys goes, oh, you know, you're lucky, aren't you? You kind of yeah. want us to knock the guy <laughs> yeah. out. And I'm like, no, I'm not lucky. At all, that is so <laughs> because sad. there's been some really pretty dark that. days here. I'm not lucky yeah. one bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But you get what you put definitely. in. Definitely. Oh god, that is, honestly, that's really inspiring. That it makes me feel a little bit lazy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is really inspiring, and it just. Uh, but if if anyone's up against, you know, the kind of make, trying to make ends meet, it's amazing what people will do. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, if you've got bills that need paying and you've got time on your side, go get a job. And you don't, like you say, you don't have to be proud. You don't, people are finding this more than ever, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, yeah you know, the amount of people that are working wherever, as long as it paid money, I didn't care whether it was £4 an hour or, I mean, I've got a pay slip somewhere for a five hour trial shift I did at a Green King pub. I've got a full £36. What about your ego? So you, I mean, it sounds like you've, you've never had an ego in your life where you've worked. And is that because... It was because the biggest challenge that I faced was finances. Um, so the only way that you could get help with finances was to get paid, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, of course. And yeah. That, that, that desire to get the money in, um, yeah. you know, you obviously can't resort to crime. That would be a terrible idea. Um, so <laughs> yeah. the, only, the only other way that you can do it is just by grafting. Uh, and that desire to graft and get the money overrid any desire to go out and get pissed with your mates. It overrid any desire to be questioned about what job you were doing or, you know, should, yeah. should a guy like me be, be cabin crew or anything like that? You know, it just it didn't even become an issue. Yeah, definitely. So all them little, them little voices that we have in our heads that, oh, you can't do this. And that family member saying, oh, people like you don't become 
an airline pilot. Like it just doesn't matter if you care, does it? It doesn't no, matter. No, so, I mean, yeah, for example, yeah, for you, you know, you, you go to auctions and look at a car to get, you, you don't care what the car is. If it's a good deal, then no. you look at selling it. It's, yeah. At the end of the day, it's, it's how you're going to feed your family and put a roof over your head. It's, it's got to be the right deal. But, you know, some people might look at you and go, well, why, why, are you, why are you selling that? You go, well, because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's an opportunity. I'm not going to say no to it. It's an opportunity. Yeah, ego is the enemy, and and if if you let your ego overrule you, then that's going to set you back. Because yeah. if if you if you had more of an ego, you'd probably still be training now to become an airline pilot, wouldn't you? Yeah, or probably bend it off, and I'd be sat, you know, in an office block somewhere, um, doing a job that I wasn't fully engaged with. So it's it, you'd yeah. pay for it one way or another. And now you look back and, you know, especially in my line of work, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I still work very close to where I, I grew up and, and started. So I actually worked with a lot of people that saw me when I first started as, as cabin crew, for example. And yeah. the amount of respect that I get now yeah. would override any, any, any kind of banter or jibes that I had from mates when I first started flying where people would, would be giving you some stick. And I mean, you know, you, you're getting stick about DJing in, I don't know, the Red Lion pub, because everyone's got a Red Lion pub, haven't they? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, the amount of stick DJ that you the got. Red Lion and Magaluf, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the amount yeah, of stick yeah. that you get there, it, 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 you don't even remember it, because you, you, you know where you're going, you know where you're working towards. You, you might not get there, but at least you've answered the question about whether you've tried or not. Because the last thing you want to do is when you're 60, 70, 80, be sat there and going, I wonder if I could have done that. That would have been interesting. You know, you've answered the question. Yeah. Even if you don't get there, even if, if doors do get shut in your face, at least you've given it a go. Without a doubt. You, do, you don't want to be laying, lying on your deathbed thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. You want to be thinking back, thinking, oh, God, I'm so proud of all the things I've done and I tried to get to, to where I wanted to be. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling that. It gives us something to chat about in the pub when we're 70, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell our old war yeah, stories. If you just leave us one favourite quote, to leave us with you? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Mm, a good question, this. Uh, have you ever seen the film, The Guardian? I haven't. Who's in it? I might, you know, I'm Ash- really, really bad with names Ash- of films. Ashton Kutcher's in it. It's about a lifeguard. And, uh, in it? Kevin Costner, I think. Oh, um, no, it's been it's been a fair while since I've watched that, but it was it's a cracking film. If you get a chance to watch it, it's it's, it's a great film. There's a quote in that saying the uh, the difference between a drowning victim and a lifeguard is merely the attitude in which they've entered the water. And in essence, that is it. It's about your attitude to what you're going to do. You know, everyone's heard the, the normal sayings of those who those who can't won't and stuff like that. You know, yeah. uh, but it's I would say that ninety percent of my success, ten percent probably down to kind of my own drive and everything else. But the attitude is the biggest thing. Um, yeah. I mean, for example, when I got the opportunity to join my current airline. Uh, I got the phone call on the Tuesday to start the following Monday. Uh, and I, I spoke to my manager. I went back to my manager and I went, look, I've, I've had this opportunity. It goes without saying that I'm, I'm going to take it. But obviously I appreciate it. I've got a seven day notice period to you. I just went, well, we, we need you to work the seven day notice period. I went, mm, look, I don't want to beat around the bush, but I'm not working my seven day notice period. Yeah. 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 I went, so I'm going with, whether it's with your blessing or not, I'd love it to be with your blessing, but I need you to know that I will be going anyway. Um, yeah. And they basically came back and said, that's fine, you can have our blessing, which they'd never done before for anyone. 
but I, I would say that was down to the attitude and how I dealt with people and, and how I worked. Same with when I was 18, emailing management pilots and asking for help. It was my attitude that got me that help. Like you say, other people's egos would have meant that they wouldn't have sent the email because they'd think that they'd look silly. But it was uh, very much the attitude and how you do things, I think, is one of the biggest things. Brilliant, mate. That's amazing. So thanks, Nick, for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. And uh, do you know what? If you're on, are you on Instagram or Facebook, if you don't mind people following you. I am, mate. Yeah, I am. It's Nick Hallam1. Uh, dead simple. Uh, I'll be honest, you pretty much see photos of my view out the flight deck and sunsets and sunrises mainly. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there's the occasional good bit on there. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with Nick. Don't forget to like us on our Facebook page. And also, if you could subscribe on Apple podcasts that would be great thanks a lot